We have uh, two Bible readings t- this evening. Uh, the first from Matthew chapter 11, the verses 25 through to 30. From verse 25, it's entitled, Come to me and I will give you rest. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for of such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Our second reading is from Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 from verse 17 through to 5 verse 2. And it's entitled The New Life. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbour, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labour doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamour and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering, a 
a sacrifice to God. This is the word of our Lord. Well, um, this is the second time I've preached here today. It's the second time I'm beginning my sermon with a question. And I have to say, I don't do this every time. Uh, I rarely do it, actually. It's just that today you got me on both the question days. Um, such is life. Um, so, start with a couple of questions. And they're, not quest- they're just questions to think about. You don't have to t- turn to your neighbour and, and discuss it. But think of these questions. What is it that has occupied your thoughts these last few days? What really has taken up space in your awareness? What is it that's kept you awake at night? What are the thoughts that elbow their way into your presence too early in the morning and uh, wake you up at a time which is neither sane nor inconvenient? Um, Just think about that for 10 or 15 seconds. What are the things that are really weighing on you? Well, dear God, here we are with the burdens of life bearing down on our shoulders and we bring all that we are and all that we carry and we lay it at your gracious throne and we do this through Jesus. Amen. Well, maybe you've noticed that even if you know someone for a long time, time that on occasions they say something or they do something and all of a sudden you see something different about their personality. You see something, a new aspect of who they are. Now, a few months ago, Leonie and I attended a little country church in the town where I was born and while we were there, we met a long-time friend by the name of Heather Fitzgerald. She was in the church Uh, She'll be 90 in a couple of months' time. And on the day we visited, which was just earlier this year, there she was, as she is every Sunday, playing the organ in this church. And as I sat there, I realised she's done this every Sunday for the last seven decades. Now, do the math. That's three and a half thousand. It's over three and a half thousand time she's played the organ in church. Why does she do that? Well, it's not out of a finely honed sense of obligation. It's because she just loves helping people praise God. And I'd never seen that aspect of her character or her personality before. But I saw it on that day and it was beautiful. Sometimes somebody does something, somebody says something and we see something different about their character. So with that in mind, Consider for a moment how well you know Jesus. Now, I'm not trying to be smart. I'm not trying to question your faith. It's just that as we consider the words of Jesus here in Matthew 11, we may see something about his character and his life that we don't often see. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, And I will give you rest. These words of Jesus have direct implications for the burdens that you feel as you come through the doors tonight. Think about that word burden. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. We just think of the weight of life, and that's 
quite okay. We'll come to that in a moment. But in, in Matthew's day, in Jesus' day, uh, this term, the burden, was very specifically used by the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. They required people to carry what was called, quote-unquote, the burden of the Torah. And what that burden was, was that everybody had to obey perfectly, not just the Ten Commandments, but all the related commandments that flowed from that and all of the commandments that the rabbis said need to be obeyed as well. It added up to about 613 different commandments. And the Pharisees' teaching was that God would only save his people. He would only break into human history and do something about the plight of humanity when everyone obeyed the burden of Torah perfectly. That's the kind of legalism that the Pharisees promoted. God would only become involved in your life when you obey all of these laws perfectly. God will only save his people, will only save Israel, will only save Judah when we all obey this law completely. That's why they put so much emphasis on it. That was the first problem that they had. That was the first sense of burden that everybody had to obey perfectly and we all know that you can't do that. The second problem was that according to the Pharisees, everyday people had no chance of understanding the law. They had no chance of understanding God. They could never understand. It was totally beyond their reach. So on the one hand, you've got to obey it perfectly. On the other hand, you'll never get it. You'll never understand it. So the burden was twofold. And it's no wonder that these people came and they were listening to Jesus and he could sense the weariness in the people because they've had this teaching all the time and they're thinking, how will, how will we ever be able to honour God? How will God ever intervene on our behalf? Because we can't, do, we, we can't do it and we don't get it. That was the burden of the Torah and it was a burden that they were never supposed to bear. Now, I'm not a gambling person, but I bet there's no one who came through these doors tonight thinking, oh no, 613 laws, I haven't done it today either. No one, no one was thinking that, right? Our burdens are different. We have the burden of being God's people in what we call a post-Christian world. We have the burden of leadership of the people of God, church leaders, elders, pastor. Uh, parents have the burdens of family. Um, we talk a lot these days about the burdens of affordability, the burdens of having to pay bills that seem totally unreachable. While you were thinking about that, those things that were weighing on you when we first opened the service, I, I'm going to suggest that some of the burdens that you're feeling a burdens God never intended you to bear. There are burdens that you, weight that you might have on your shoulder that God simply does not want you to carry because you can't carry it. And I say this because it's, it's, it's all too easy in life to, and especially from, from our part of Christianity, we say, you know, everything's in the hands of God. He's a sovereign God. He's a gloriously sovereign God, right? It's easy to say that. And it's also easy to live as if everything depends on us. 
It's easy to say one thing, it's easy to live a different way. We all know this. It's easy to confess Jesus is Lord and yet live as though we are Lord and Master of our lives. Now think of how that can play out. We know that we're all called to be witnesses to the life and to the resurrection of Jesus. We all want to engage in that, but we fear people won't listen. We fear people will reject us. We're not called to carry the burden of changing people. We're not called to carry the burden of people uh, listening to us and agreeing with us. That's Jesus' burden. That's God's burden. That's the sovereign Lord's burden. That's the Holy Spirit's work. We don't have to make, we can't make people agree with us. It hasn't worked. It hasn't worked for you, has it? It hasn't worked for me. I can only present a case and pray that God will use it. Sometimes we bear that burden improperly. Uh, leaders in the church, for those who are leaders and elders or for those who have been leaders in the church, we are called as leaders to set the best context for people to grow, for God's people to grow. Uh, we talk about discipleship, we talk about nurturing growth. But the burden of growth is not actually ours to bear. That's God's burden. We just have to sow the seed. It's the Apollos Paul thing. We sow the seed, um, you know, Greg sows the seed, Frank waters, God gives the growth. The burden of growth is not ours to bear, but sometimes we feel it and we feel that burden heavily. And who doesn't know the burdens of parenthood? I could tell you some stories, but we'd be here for a long time. And you could tell your stories, we'd be here for even longer. You're called to bring your children up in the fear and the knowledge of God. Many of us have stood at the front of the church and we've made those promises, those vows at the baptism of our children. And sometimes we feel a great deal of responsibility for decisions that our children take. And I suppose as children are young, some of that responsibility does hang with us. But as they get older, they become responsible for their own decisions and we don't take responsibility for the decisions of our children when they're adults. We don't do that. They've got to take responsibility for their decisions. And in the end, how they live, how they work, how they grow, that's a decision that we have to leave with God. And all we can do, like before, is set the context for the best kind of conversations, for the best kind of growth to happen. Sometimes we accept burdens that do not belong to us. Now, we could go down um, the, the route of psychology and uh, talk about where our responsibility begins and ends. That will take a long time. We won't do that. But there's such weariness that comes to us. It can come to us because we are trying to bear burdens that are not ours to bear. And, of course, I haven't even started talking about the burden of our own sin and guilt. Now, again, uh, I know some of you people have been um, part of Christian Reformed churches for decades and others it might be more of a new thing. But the reality is we all believe that our sin and our guilt are done in Christ, don't we? We believe this, don't we? You're allowed to nod. Yep. We believe that, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Glorious, isn't it? But we're still tempted to bear that guilt ourselves. We try and bear that guilt by being better Christians 
And sometimes we can say to ourselves, if I just worship more, if I just pray more, if I just give more, God will forgive me, God will bless me, God will look kindly on me. There's this little transactional thing that comes into the whole picture. It's a burden that is gone. Sometimes when we feel guilty, we compensate. We feel bad about something we've said or something that we've done. What do we do? What, what, do, we, what do we tend to do? Well, we can go out and we can max out the card, max out the credit card, buy a few things, make us feel good about some new thing that we've bought. We can eat a lot of chocolate. It's not really my thing. I only have little bits of chocolate. Greg and Kitty can testify to that. Sometimes we go on cleaning sprees. Uh, cleaning sprees that would put some of the best Dutch housewives to shame. Sometimes we drink too much alcohol. Sometimes we abuse other substances. Sometimes we lash out in anger. These are all ways that we're trying to deal with things inside us. We're trying to bear burdens inside us that God has not called us to bear. Why, do we, what, why is it that we try and bear burdens that God never intended us to carry? Why do we do that? Is Jesus' sacrifice not sufficient? Is the cross not good enough? Does Jesus have to do something more just so that your sins, so that you can feel good about yourself? Peter writes, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. And then he follows it up with this little line. By his wounds you have been healed. 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 That's good news. That's what we believe today. Sin's penalty, sin's punishment, sin's condemnation, it's gone. It's done. Conquered forever in the blood of Christ. We sing it in that song, Nearer Still Nearer. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the, the whole is nailed to the, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, my soul. That's why Jesus is saying, come to me. If you're weary from bearing things that God has never intended you to bear, come to me, I'll give you rest. I'll bear your burden. Could there be a more glorious relief than to know that Jesus has finished it all? It is finished. It is done. Like the passage we read this morning, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. In the ways you used to walk when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, but God who is rich in mercy, but God who is rich in mercy. But God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. No better comfort than that. Jesus says, come to me. I'll take your burdens. Now, it's interesting that while Jesus takes our burden, he gives us a yoke. Have you thought about that? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light my burden now does that sound like an improvement 
Give me your burden, and here's my yoke. Now, I'm looking at the amount of grey hair in the room, and we probably know what a yoke is, right? So, a, a yoke was, and this is just a, an example, a, a wooden implement that would join two animals together and they would pull a plough or they would pull a cart. There's work involved, right? Jesus gives us his yoke and he's saying, you know, you do have some work to do. You do have some work to do. Take my yoke. It's easy, it's light, but it's a yoke. It's a yoke. It's work not to gain acceptance with God. We don't have to do that. Jesus has brought us into glorious fellowship with God. He's reconciled us with God. That's, that's a done deal in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And it's not work that we have to do to kind of get God to act on our behalf. Because Jesus is already carrying our prayers. He's interceding for us at the right hand of God. God's poured his spirit into us. There's, you know, God will give us whatever he wants, whatever he thinks we need in order to do what he calls us to do. So this yoke is not stuff we do in order to get God to act. That's not what Christianity is about. So what is this yoke? What is this work? Well, it's the yoke of gratitude, really. It's the yoke of thanksgiving. It's the yoke of grace. It's thanksgiving for the forgiveness and the mercy that we have in the risen Christ. Let me explain. Gratitude is easy. Forgiveness is light. If you've ever had to forgive someone for something big in your life, you'll recognise yeah, it was hard work, but the burden is lifted and there's a freedom that comes in that. That's another message. This is what Jesus is saying. Take my yoke because he knows it brings true relief. He knows it brings unceasing joy. He knows it's the source of undying hope because we're trusting in him. We're trusting in him to do his work in us. That's what we're created to do, to live with gratitude, to walk in love, to embody forgiveness, to be people of grace. Take my yoke because you'll thrive as you wear it. You'll enjoy this. It'll feel good. Now, think of it this way. I have, and I'm giving some uh, physiological um, data here that you, know, you can take or leave, but I have uh, troublesome feet. Uh, I have uh, dropped arches and that gives me a tendency to what they call plantar fasciitis. Anybody else here have plantar fasciitis? Bless you, sister. Bless you. Bless you. <coughs> Sometimes I put on a new pair of shoes and they feel terrible straight away. There's this brand of uh, sneakers that a lot of young people like me uh, buy. It's called Vans Off The Wall. Anybody bought any Vans Off The Wall? Have we got Vans Off The Wall here? Have we? Yeah. Bless you, my son. Good luck to you. Because I put them on and they feel wrong straight away. I don't know what it is about Vans. It's not the only brand, but that's the one that I'm talking about. And if they had paid me more, I would have spoken more positively about them. But I can put them on and my feet start hurting within 20 minutes because they just don't have the support in them that I need. Whereas I can put on a pair of Merrells, I can put on a pair of Keens, I can put on my RMs and they feel right. It's like, like the, I'm not even aware that I'm wearing shoes. When I've got, why is that? Because I suppose they're designed in a way to work for me. They are easy, they are light. 
and my feet thrive in them. They become beautiful feet. That's what Jesus is getting at here. He gives an easy yoke. So it's something, there's some things that we need to do. But it feels good as we do them. It sits well on our shoulders. It sits well as we bear it. Because that's what we're created for. And even more wonderfully, Jesus empowers us to bear that burden. You know, it's, it's, it's not the case that Jesus saves us and then says, well, you're on your own now. Uh, you've got to look after yourself now. You've got to uh, obey me perfectly now. He doesn't do that. He says, I'll live in you. I'll pour my spirit into your, into your heart, into your life, into your church. And I'll do my work in you. He gives us all we need for this new life. And that's nothing short of incredible. The Holy Spirit enables you to become like Christ in your behaviour. Did you pick that, that little line up in that passage that Greg read? Now I'm reading from the NIV and it's not on the screen, but you'll, you'll know it. Follow God's example, therefore, or become imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Be imitators of God. Be like God. Mimic God. That's what it's saying. It's the, that's the word, mimeo in Greek. Imitate God. Reflect God in your, in your character, in your action, in your behaviour. And God gives us the wherewithal to do that. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works. Ephesians 2. You see, God's law is no longer a taskmaster. A taskmaster. It, doesn't, it doesn't come to us as a burden. Um, if we read the law of God and we feel a burden on us, then either we don't understand who Jesus is and what he's come to do, or we're reading it the right way. We're bearing a burden that God doesn't intend for us to have. God's law is like living water. That passage in the Gospel of John, um, living water bubbling up and overflowing. Uh, it's not just a reference to the Spirit, it's what the Spirit does in us. He causes new life to bubble and throw and, and overflow and, and impact on people, on place, on uh, all sorts of contexts around us. And I think this is just a beautiful passage that Jesus takes the burden he didn't intend us to bear and he gives us the yoke that we were created for, the yoke to be like God, to imitate God, to be like Christ, created to be like him in all righteousness and holiness, Ephesians 4. So for everyone here, when you feel drawn and exhausted with life, is there better news than to know that God is doing his work through you? Is there better news than to know that God has given you a yoke of thankfulness and gratitude and goodness and joy, the fruit of the Spirit, basically, that you can live with the people who are around you, in your family, in your workplace, wherever it might be? This is why Paul keeps writing to the churches in his letters everywhere. And of course, one of the most powerful statements is, I have been crucified with Christ... And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Christ is living in me. It's, it's God using my will. We read about that this morning from the Canons of Dort. Using my will and, and changing me 
um, in a work that is so incredibly powerful, it's equal to creation or raising the dead. As Greg read, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. This is work you've got to do. Put off your old self. Keep putting off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires and to be made new. This is work that you've got to do. This is the yoke. To be made new in the attitude of your minds, to put on the new self, the new you, the Christ-like you, the God-imitating you, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The easy yoke of Jesus is to be made new as he lives through us. This is our comfort as we meet together tonight, as we consider the glorious transaction that Jesus has made, taking our burden and giving us his yoke. Jesus is with you this very minute. He's raised you to life in his son. So much so that the scriptures describe you as new creation. If anyone is in Christ, new creation. They are a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. It's a glorious reality. And his joy is to do this work so that we live lives of justice and love and mercy and grace. Now, I could go on for another 30 minutes easily, but I don't want to outstay my welcome. So I'm going to put three questions on the board. And when you're thinking about what it means to carry the yoke of Christ, his easy and light yoke, you can think about these questions. So the first question is, thinking about your behaviour and your attitudes, how would God want you to change? How would God want your life to change from this point forward? When you start answering that question about yourself, you start to see clearly the yoke that Jesus has given you. And you remember, he's going to do his work in you. So in obedience and in trust, you move ahead. How would God want you to change? Thinking about your life context, your work, your family or some other context, what would God change if he was to make all things right in that context? What would God change about your workplace or your home, about your relationship or about how you were doing life? What would God start to change? Then that's giving you a big hint about the yoke that he's calling you to bear. How does God want to change your life context? And I'm not here to criticise your pastor. I know he's not here, so it's easy to talk about him while he's gone. Uh, I'm not going to do that. But think of this question, leaders. Think about your church and recognising who we are and what we have. What would Jesus change if he were to become our pastor? What would Jesus change if he was to become chairman and leader of church council or session? And when we start to think about those things, what would Jesus want us to do differently in our community or as a community? We start to get a sense of the yoke that he's giving us, the easy, the light yoke of following him and responding in thankfulness and in grace. This is our call to newness of life. These are the things that God seeks to work in us as we move ahead as his people. These are the broken things that he wants to lovingly restore in us and in our community as we reflect his goodness and his love in Jesus. This is the yoke that he will enable you to bear. And not only 
will you start to feel the ease of Christ's yoke as you do that hard work, but others will start to see that God is actually alive among you. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. Almighty God, we are, we are overwhelmed at the wonder of your work in us. We know that this is no cause for boasting. As Paul said, if anyone boasts, let them boast in the Lord. Let them boast about you, God, because of this incredible work that you are doing in fallen people, people who are now new creatures, people in whom your Son lives through his Spirit, people who walk in newness of life, people created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness, people created to be like you. Lord, will you do your work in us so that we can reflect this glorious miracle of your goodness being poured into the hearts and lives of people through the death and the resurrection of your Son as we trust in him. God, will you help us? We know that on our own, all our efforts are futile. We know that without you, we are nothing. And we thank you, God, for being the God who speaks to us and encourages us and affirms us because you are the God of new life and new hope. You are the Spirit who causes his fruit to blossom and bud and come to full expression in your church. Be glorified, Jesus, our King. Be honoured, Jesus, our Master. And be praised, Jesus, for you are our rescuer and our saviour and our constant companion. Grant us your grace as we walk from this point forward, we pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.